Welcome to the Sales Pro Chat Podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Professional Sales Association, helping sales-focused professionals discover new tools, trends, and strategies. Please welcome your host, Bill Bannum. Tibor Shanto, welcome to the October edition of the Sales Pro Chat Show. Pleasure to be here, Bill. How are you? I'm great, and I'm excited for today's conversation. For sales professionals, team leaders, and organizations across the country, the Canadian Professional Sales Association is your partner in building knowledge and skills to improve sales performance. The CPSA is the advocate for excellence in sales. We invest resources in programming, curriculum development, and professional designations to help individuals and companies become more successful through effective sales. We connect employers and employees, business with academia, and the private sector with government to advance the sales profession and improve Canadian competitiveness. Learn more at cpsa.com. And remember to subscribe to the CPSA podcast through iTunes, Google Play, and more. Let's jump straight in. Firstly, what exactly is a professional network table? What are some of the constituent parts? I think there's various types of professional networks. So there is things that end up being professional networks that start off in our youth that are initially social networks. So again, many of us are still in touch with people we went to high school with. And I think as we got into university and whether we belong to clubs or, you know, fraternities or whatever the case is, often those people aren't in constant contact with us, but there is that affinity. Uh, I'll give you a quick example. My daughter was in the cadets here. And as soon as somebody finds out she was in the the cadets, it doesn't matter if they knew each other or not. There's this natural affinity that they later on in business can leverage in the same way as that. Then there's the professional network among the people that you know. So if you're a mechanic, you're going to get to know the people in your supply chain up and you're going to get to know the people in your supply chain down and other people involved and so on. Other more current forms of professional networks, and that is, you know, your LinkedIn connections. But even there, I would say there's tiers. Um, you know, I think I'm upwards of about six or 7,000 connections, and I'm quite willing to bet that only about a dozen can pick me out of a lineup. So, you know, I think it's a valuable network. I do believe, I forget who said it, but, you know, your net worth is your network, but it's going to be tiered. Um, I think there's a level of professional network that a lot of salespeople overlook. They sometimes walk into it inadvertently, but they overlook. And the question I ask a lot of the people that I work with is, who's selling to your best prospect right now that doesn't compete with you? So, for instance, in my case, a lot of recruitment professionals are dealing with the same VPs of sales that I want to target. They're sharing information with those recruiters that I would love to be privy to, but they're not going to share it with me because they know that it would serve my purpose. So I've gone out and proactively, and I encourage my clients to do the same, to proactively go and garner a professional network, you know, see who's in there talking to your customers on a regular basis that they would trust with information that they would take a recommendation from and cultivate that network. And really the biggest part of it, there's two key elements. One is you need to be monogamous. So if you play with every recruiter on the street, they're not going to want to play with you. But if you pick your spots and you deal with one or two specialized ones, then you can share plenty of referrals with each one. The other is start the thing by giving them a lead yourself. But, you know, recently I did an engagement where a recruiter was in. They were tasked with hiring a couple of salespeople. In the conversation, the VP said to him that once we get these people on board, it would be good to do a refresher with our team 
bam, she recommended me, and it was a very short sales cycle, and it was a very successful one. So I think that that level of professional network is something you can create on your own, but it's probably going to be the most valuable. So social media is now so wide and so deep. The question is, do in-person meetings actually offer anything extra to salespeople sure. looking to build personal relationships, you know, find new leads people? How can in-person networking add value in ways that social selling perhaps cannot? It's still a human game. And so I think when, you know, people tend to behave differently. We've all had people who've been very curt with us on the phone, but when we meet them, it, it sort of calms things down. There's the human element that kicks in. I think for certain types of decisions, you're still going to require to have an interaction, especially if you're a professional seller. Candidly, I find that a lot of the talk in social selling, and I have no disrespect for social selling. I use it myself, but as with any professional thing, there's always going to be those elements on the fringe. And I think social selling almost dictates people to do order taking. And, you know, I think that it's great if you're in an industry that takes orders, but if you're in an industry that actually has to go out and engage with somebody and get them to think differently and so on, then I think it's a question of how social and face-to-face -face work hand-in-hand -hand as opposed to one versus the other. I think that those discussions um, slightly encourage our less and less where we hear it's one versus the other. Um, I think people are finally climbing on the bandwagon that myself and a number of other people who are proponents for cold calling, question of what's in your toolkit and how do you best use it for a given circumstance. So I think in certain instances, social is going to be a great foray. I think in other instances, you need to be there face to face. The other to consider, which is an interesting thing, and we're not going to take much time, people can go explore it on their own, but a book came out recently entitled Everybody Lies or what have you. They can go to my blog or I can email you the title after, but it's done by a um, Google data scientist who did some heavy duty studying. So there's a lot of data in here that people put out a pretense or at least a false image on social media because they think that, you know, people are looking at it, so they want to convey a certain image. Um, whereas if you correlate what they search for on Google, where they think it's a private interaction with the search engine, you find that a different set of personalities come out. So I would argue that you need the human encounter to validate what you're seeing on social or else you may be going down a blind alley. Okay, well, let's continue to go down the alley. Hopefully it's not a blind one, Tibor. No, no. um, are, are there then a flashlight. Still... <laughs> let's bring a flashlight with us. You are a flashlight, sir. Um, are, are there then still industries where online approaches perhaps just don't cut it? And if so, which ones are they and why? Or are you saying that all industries, there are, there are multiple touch points and multiple ways of, of contacting people? Yeah, I'm saying the latter, but I'm not saying social is always the lead thing. So I think, you know, uh, I'll give you a simple example. About two years ago, when I think social selling was probably at its height in terms of hype, and I did a presentation to about 50 principals or owners of medium-sized sort of print and copier shops. So they were dealers of Panasonic, they were dealers of Xerox and so on. So they weren't working for the manufacturer, they were licensed distributors. And, you know, the businesses range anywhere from about $20 million in revenue up to about $100 million. So these weren't huge companies from a U.S. perspective, but they were, there was enough money there, right? And I asked how many people are involved in social media, and about two-thirds of their people put up their hand. And I said, how many of you have a LinkedIn account? And that count dropped to about half the room, right? And when I asked them how many times 
are you on there regularly? Are you on there on a weekly basis? We were down to about less than a quarter of the room. So how much money is left in the rest of the room that you're not going to reach through social? That was one industry, I think, industries where they're not constantly stuck to their screens. So if they're out and about. So I think social will always have its place, but I think there are industries that are more prone to traditional approaches. And let's, you know, let's talk about the, the, the 800 gorilla, 800 pound gorilla in the room. You know, whether you're a digital native or a digital tourist also dictates which one you're going to respond to better or more. Absolutely. And, and let's focus on the, the digital natives then for a moment. For, the, for those people who are perhaps behind their computers and, and rely on social selling as their principal channel, what, what advice would you offer to, to those people who are looking to widen their professional networks through in-person events? I think there's, there's a host of things. I mean, meetups are the most obvious. You know, here in Toronto, you know yourself, there's several meetups that are geared specifically at salespeople, some better than others, some specialized. So, you know, you got to pick your crowd. I think most industries have some sort of association or group or whatever the case is. I was talking to somebody yesterday who targets people who are in the property management business, and they just recently joined that association here in Toronto, and that association has regular monthly events and the usual holiday socials and all that stuff. Um, So I think that, again, I keep going back to this theme that it's not one versus the other, but you can go to your local Chamber of Commerce or Board of Trade events, and most of the ones in the Golden Horseshoe have quite a few of them, but that doesn't negate that Maybe in advance, you look up some of the people on social. I've gone to several networking events over the last year where they sent me the LinkedIn profiles in advance so I can look and see who I want to talk to, what I want to talk to them about, and so forth. And certainly after you leave those live events, the first thing you want to do is jump on social, invite them to connect, you know, and and start that process. So I think it's a combination of both. But if you're in anything that resembles a major city, there's plenty of events, the one caution I would make is salespeople tend to go to sales-related uh, events. I tend to look for events where my prospects are hanging out. So you're more likely to find me at a transportation association event than a sales association event because my customers are more likely to be going to what their vertical is. So let's let's suppose that uh, everybody who's listening to this show, as, as I'm sure they will, have followed uh, the advice so far. And um, they've built up a wide network of potential customers, partners, and maybe future employers, perhaps. Um, how, how can salespeople leverage the relationships that they've spent developing to grow their pipeline after that initial in-person touchpoint? I think that there's a host of things. So I think if they're in the prospect camp, so, you know, there's the traditional newsletter, like I do a monthly newsletter and and. and People tell me that it keeps reminding them of me, and then when that eventual discussion comes up, I make the list because they remembered my last newsletter. I think that if they're, if it's a network in a sense of people that can help you, professional network, um, share information on LinkedIn. See what they're sharing so you can stay abreast of things that they're talking about. And if you have an opinion, comment. I don't like the notion of commenting for the sake of commenting because then you just look like an also-ran. But if you look at something that they share, um, whether it's Facebook or or LinkedIn, there's quite a bit of B2B activity happening on Facebook as well, right? So, you know, comment on it. Or if you see that a certain prospect or certain network connection that you have is interested in some things 
or you're aware of something that they maybe have overlooked, you know, share it with them. So I think it's quite simple, and I think people try to make it more complicated than it is. It's called connect, and it's called contact. So think about how you connect with them. You can tier your uh, your contacts, and you can share information with different types. So I think it's a question of extending that dialogue, but you know, without seeming systematic. And I think sometimes some of these social efforts that I become victim to. They're very polished and very clean, but I don't get a sense that there's a human being in the mix. So let's let's talk about the human being then, and let's talk about the personal brand. Uh, and and I'm, I'm sure you've done this very well. How, how can sales pros and leaders leverage in-person events, whether they be conferences, meetups, um, other types of networking events, to to leverage and, and to grow their personal brand? So, for example, I'm guessing speaking might be a really good way of doing that. Speaking is, but, you know, a lot of people aren't comfortable speaking. It's not my favorite thing. I do it because, A, I have opinions, and B, as you say, it seems to help me, you know, but the average salesperson may not feel comfortable. Some may, and again, a lot of these associations are looking for expertise, and if you're a good salesperson, you're a subject matter expert, so I think you've earned the right to offer to become a speaker as long as you know, the big rule, whether it's speaking or whether it's your regular sort of uh, board of trade networking and so on, is networking is not about us. It's about the other people, right? So I know a lot of people are tired of hearing it and it's a cliche, but, you know, givers do get. You know, that's why I said earlier that if you're going to create a professional network, start it off by giving the other person a lead so they see that you're actually sincere and you're into this. So I think to answer your broader question, you really do have to leave your product out of the mix. And when you go in there, take a genuine interest in what they do. Because sometimes if you really listen to what they do, you'll find opportunities. Whereas if you just listen for selective buzzwords, you won't find opportunities. So I think take an interest in what people do. Ask them what they do. It's the old story. What's in it for me, right? So, you know, people like to brag. So they'll love to talk about themselves. And don't sell. The whole idea is there to go and connect, make a connection, and then pick up on it the following day or what have you. Now, if somebody gives you a wide berth and they say, yeah, we're looking for sales training. We want to have it for Thursday. Can you give me pricing? I would, you know, pick that conversation up. But if somebody is, you know, friendly and they're willing to talk to you, but clearly they're there to network as well. So you can't monopolize their time and you certainly don't want to sell, but by asking some questions and allowing them to talk about themselves, you'll find information that then you can leverage in the follow-up call and actually demonstrate that you've listened and that you're interested in what they're doing. But I think the biggest rule is you can't sell unless the person specifically asks you to sell them at that point. You can Describe what you do in terms of what kind of outcomes you've delivered for other people. So when they ask you what you do, don't go into the fact that I sell this, that, or the other. You know, talk to them about some of the business impacts that your customers have realized by virtue of using your product. Well, what are the what are the right opening questions perhaps to, perhaps to ask when meeting someone at a networking event for the first time? And can you share a couple of openers that you think work, and maybe a couple that are horrible, which you've heard? different meetups? I think the ones that, and, and I don't claim to be an expert on this, but the ones that keep working for me is when I take an interest in them. So I ask them what they do, because again, it's good to know what they do. I find that as a second question, like once you understand what they do, where in the universe they fit in, I find that 
the question or variation thereof as to what they do best generally gets them to talk a little bit more and you can begin to, you know, or, you know, how are they different, you know? So if they're in a field like advertising agencies, you know, like, I mean, you can't throw a stone without hitting one, right? So how do they differentiate themselves, you know, from the next one? So I think, again, getting them to articulate their view of the world will help you understand how you can then extend that conversation. And I find that if you ask them what they do, just by the way they describe it, you'll have a sense of where they fit on the spectrum. And then B, when you ask them what they do better or different than other people, you can get a sense of where they see themselves in the marketplace, perhaps where they have some shortcomings that you might be able to help with. So I find those are two good opening questions because they put the limelight on them and you know, you get information in the meantime. Well, we're coming towards the end of this particular interview. Just a couple of last questions. The first of which, to, to sort of sum up on what we've been talking about today, uh, can you offer a couple of tips in, in, and insights in terms of what can be learned from in-person networking that possibly just can't be achieved through social media or, or on the phone? I think it's the human element. I mean, as much as social media is much more human than some other forms, it's getting that genuine real deal. And I'll give you an example. Like there's a bunch of people that you know and I know that what they look like on social media is not what they look like when you meet them. And I'm talking about the whole package. It's not that they change their hairstyle and makeup, right? They have this sort of persona on social media. And when you meet them, they're entirely different. And to me, that's a shock. And I go, how, what else in their presentation is disingenuous, right? So anyway, let's not go down the dark side. Let's stay on the bright side of the street. But I think you get to know the real person. You get to share information. And I think, again, you can leverage social media. The one downside to social media, with the exception of some of the, uh, the, the posts on LinkedIn, it's all very geared to sound bites as opposed to ongoing, genuine conversation because there is this assumption that if there's some traction or some connection, it'll then transition from social to the real world. So it's sort of a, a medium that's designed as an intermediary as opposed to a platform for ongoing, serious conversation. Well, that just leaves me with one more question for you today. It's uh, Tibor Shanto. How can people learn more about you? Do they want to? No. Um, I think the easiest is if they go to uh, sell better. Although I suspect by the time this goes live, I might be on my new site, which is easier, which is TiborShanto.com. And for those social media advocates, uh, what's your Twitter handle? You might guess that it's Tibor Shanto. Okay, perfect. Well, that's easy. (laughs) Tibor Shanto, thank you very much for being the guest on the October Sales Bread Chat. Thank you. It's always fun, Bill. And until next time, listeners, happy selling. Thank you for listening to Sales Pro Chat Podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Professional Sales Association.